0: Om Sahana Vavatu Sahana Bhunaktu Karavahai Now nirmamaha, nirmanaha, which is here described as niratma, mantra number 4. Ah, so this is what the whole thing is, nirmamaha, which is described as niratma. And this nirmamaha, we have to um, understand, uh, there seemed to be yesterday a couple of um, wrong ideas about this. So, I want to spend some time here. One question that came towards the end is what, you know, why do we have to know Bhagavan if he doesn't have, he, she doesn't have a mind, <laughs> you know. why? What is the use of knowing Bhagavan who doesn't have a mind? What is the use of that? And then another, you know, not so much a question, but a uh, association between Nirmana, not having a mind and uh, certain other conditions like autism, you know, or we can add to uh, add to that other spectrums of uh, different problems, you know, on one end, you can have autism, on the other hand, uh, and permanently vegetative state. This is all possible because there is a mind. Like dementia is possible, problems with memory, etc. And distorted understanding is possible. Why? Because there is a mind. And this is also Ishvara because disorder is part of the order. This is also Bhagavan. Yeah, but here we are not talking of some parts of the brain or the the mind here. First of all, the mind doesn't mean just brain in Sanskrit. So we are not talking of somebody who is just, you know, who's got some parts of the brain highly developed and are able to chant anything that is taught, but uh, they have very few, for example, social skills. You know, so maybe there is some uh, disturbance in the, in the uh, front um, temporal area of the brain, you know, in terms of which, which affects uh, so many things. It affects uh, interactions and so many, you know, so many things. It, it affects social skills, all these things, decision making, etc. But then, you know, certain other parts of the brain may be highly developed uh, where they are able to uh, chant and do, uh, you know, Um, do other um, skills you know properly no problem at all so so that is one thing second thing is this that they have the you know there is uh, so we cannot correlate uh, that any kind of a disturbance in the brain is whether we are talking of autism or on the other far end of the spectrum, PVS, permanently vegetative state, you cannot equate that to this niratma, this term nirmana. Yeah, this is not Bhagavan, you know, Bhagavan is not in permanently vegetative state because what we are doing, because we are so oriented to uh, to equate the mind with the brain, huh and that's why the question comes why should we know a brainless ishvara what is that going to do with me ishvara is not brainless we, we you know we are talking of uh, you know mind includes in in the um, in the, in the shastra the mind includes many things the mind means that which is the decision making capacity which is called buddhi which you may call uh, brain but really it means a certain um, intelligence that is a, a decisive a faculty of the intelligence so it's again it's not brain you know and then it includes emotions chittam you know it in again which is not just but just the emotions don't make up the brain and it's you know and then it includes what it includes that part of the you know the that faculty which cannot decide which is always you know on one side and then on another side and then on one side and then on another side so it includes that as well which is called manaha so manaha buddhi chittam it also includes that fellow you know, which is a, a, a kind, of you cannot pinpoint and you cannot do some kind of a brain dissection and find out where the ahankara is because the ahankara pervades the entire body. The the notion of I pervades the entire body. It's not just in one place. So if you touch the person's little finger, the whole person responds like, oh, what do you need from me? So you, you, you can't just, you know, so the eye sense is like the sense of touch which pervades the entire body. And so you can't really say that it is located somewhere. So therefore this I notion is the one who owns up the manaha, buddhi and chittam and says all this is me and it's identified with all the three. That is what is called manaha in Sanskrit. Yeah, And so it is nothing to do with the brain, not just the brain. You know, so the faculty of this thing called buddhi, even if we were to just take buddhi, even this buddhi, you know, which is encased, so to speak, in in this body-mind-sense complex, and it is finite because half the things you remember, and more than half the things one forgets, and so therefore what? So therefore, it's a, it's a it's a limited upadhi. So the mind with all its accoutrements that we have just discussed is a limited upadhi. Upadhi means a certain kind of a name and form in order to hold the information or the knowledge. So the mind becomes a limited um, upadhi, you know avachinna, so where the chaitanya, this Limitless awareness and consciousness, which is Bhagavan in the form of Bhagavan, gets, so to speak, assumes a limitation based on the size of the head and, you know, based on one's karma, etc. Yeah, the size of the brain, although that's a very, you know, kind of a Darwinistic argument. But, um, you know, for example, crows are very intelligent. It's amazing. I mean, they, they have a, a pea-sized brain, but they are they are very fascinating to observe and they don't know how. So, again, we cannot equate everything, buddhi, with brain. Uh, that's why I keep cautioning. And so, nir, biratma, so if Bhagavan is in permanently vegetative state, why should I know Bhagavan? You know, what is that going to do, with, do to me? You know, it's like visiting somebody in the hospital who is in a coma, who can't respond, and who may open the eyes spontaneously and just look at you without looking at you. And that kind of a Bhagavan, why do I want? You know, a comatose Bhagavan. We are not talking of a comatose Bhagavan or Bhagavan who is, you know, who is in a vegetative state, or a Bhagavan that could go off any time because, you know, has some kind of a derangement. We are not talking of a derangement. We are talking of the one you know, for whom there is no arrangement, you know, of a particular limited uh, upadhi called, you know, upadhi means a certain kind of a name and form, which uh, which becomes, uh, makes this consciousness as though limited. So whenever there is a mind, there are emotions. <laughs> and whenever there is a mind, there is ahankara, the one who is owning up the emotions and identified with the emotions and whenever there is a mana then there is this buddhi which is all the time complaining about something or the other or feeling proud, proud and feeling upset and feeling all kinds of things and and therefore what so the, so we have to see this clearly so not having mana means what you know not having mana doesn't mean that you know there is there is no knowledge because we have this you know what should I say? We have this so-called scientific link between knowledge and this this thing called the mind. Ah, we we have this supposedly a kind of a link, but but that is you know totally totally incorrect, entirely incorrect. Ah. and so therefore what? So therefore we have to you know understand this concept of. Niratma, which here is seen as nirmama, you know, we have to understand this, not nirmama, niratma, which is explained, which I'm explaining as nirmana. Nirmana doesn't mean, you know, without knowledge. In fact, Bhagavan is all knowledge without it being funneled through a tiny mind, which is, which, which, which holds the unconscious, which is the storehouse of all kinds of, you know, omissions and commissions. There is, so therefore, Bhagavan has no hurt, no guilt, no partiality, no raga, no dvesha, and, you know, no possibility of mental derangement, Old age, you know, and Bhagavan doesn't need to take ginkgo and ginseng part of his her diet because he is forgetting that you exist. No, such thing. that is not the, the idea. You know, you have this is a revolutionary understanding really. Because you have to really understand this concept of nirmana. Nirmana means without all the baggage which the con the very idea of the mind brings. If you have might, you will have baggage, yeah. You will have overweight suitcases, <laughs> suitcases of omissions, suitcases of commissions, luggage of hurt and guilt, luggage of regrets, missed opportunities, luggage of uh, what resentment, luggage of jealousy, luggage of Ragadhesha, that, that itself is a whole uh, trousseau, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A wedding trousseau. Oh, but who did I get married to Ahankara? Yeah, that's all. When you identify with Ahankara, this is what happens. There's a wedding trousseau worth of misconceptions, raga, Vishas, beliefs, notions, all kinds of nonsense. And Bhagavan is free of all of that. Bhagavan is knowledge without needing a mind for that knowledge to exist because you cannot ask, where is that knowledge in Bhagavan? Wherever there is knowledge, there is Bhagavan. So in you, when you think straight and think correctly, that is Bhagavan. (laughs) And when the crow, you know, we have heard those stories, when it, uh, uh, there was one very nice video, you know, see it if you can. Was wonderful video, which is uh, you know this crow got some nuts, walnuts, you know, and the poor thing tried to hold it in its claws and tried to you know um, try to be a woodpecker and peck at it, and the nuts, you know, was the the walnuts were not yielding at all, and the crow it drove the crow nuts really, and so what did the crow do? He had an ingenious idea. And then what? And then it, uh, you know, stood on, uh, it sat on, it took the walnut, flew up on top of a signal. You know, the green, red, yeah, the signal which is high up, you know, it flew on top, sat right above the signal. And then what? Watched for it to turn a green. And as it turned green, it threw the walnut. And of course, the two, three cards went and uh, broke the walnut for it uh, under the wheels then it waited for it to be red then it got down flew down from the signal and when it was red like a wonderful (laughs) you know well-adjusted citizen crossed to the middle of the road it had it had the eye on the walnut which was now very nicely opened for it and took the thing you know and it, it it had very little time because it was just in between the traffic it would just run take the walnut, fend off other crows, because it was its idea, and then go back, you know, and somehow it found another walnut. It did this repeatedly. This is Bhagavad. Yeah. And even though the crow may not be very good at other tasks, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, Puja would always say, you know, if you tell the crow, dear crow, say, ah. <laughs> It will say what? ka? That's what it can say. So it's not very good at saying ah. (laughs) You could try to say, make the the crow say om, it will still say ka. It will not say anything else. So it's not good at any other things because this upadhi called the mind of the crow is just enough for it to survive, for it to reproduce, for it to, you know, ward off predators for it to recognize its own species for it to recognize any kind of threatening species for it to protect itself that is that is what its mind is enough for and that might is just amazing that is bhagavan and when you talk of bhagavan you cannot say bhagavan is you know is the crow you know crow is all bhagavan the mind of the crow is bhagavan but you cannot say bhagavan is equal to crow this is what is the concept, this is what we have to understand by limitless. So Nirvanaha means that which occupies everything called the mind, all the intelligence, everything without itself needing a certain you know skull to encase what all it know knows. This Bhagavan is Sarvatma, Sarvagya and Sarvavit. So Vetritvam, the all-knowingness, cannot reside inside a brain, yeah, because that the brain itself becomes a limiting factor for the uh, for the intelligence. So now I hope that you know. Um, uh, I hope you understand the meaning of the uh, of the word, you know, nirmanaha. Yeah. So then, of course, what follows is what uh, you know. Um, uh, what follows is is uh, what exactly should follow anantaha. But, but before we go to anantaha, you know, when I first understood this concept of when I really really understood it, I mean, the first time when um, I heard Puja Swamiji say it when I was studying this, it made a very big impact on me. It it was uh, actually a turning point in my Vedanta education really understanding bhagavan as free of the uh, of the burden of having a mind mano buddhi chitta all these things yeah uh, it just made me appreciate bhagavan it made me a, a, a better uh, you know person it made me a better devotee it made me you know it, it really it gave a little jump start in my spiritual understanding and growth and i hope that it will do the same for you that's you know that's my prayer so then of course nirmama niratma is is um, is is uh, followed by the concept you know what is that concept the concept is you know um, where did my text go here just a second ah here it is so the concept is ananta So the next word that reveals Bhagavan is ananta. This is what? Swarupa Lakshana. Swarupa means your own swarupa. Ananta, limitless. We can't even think about the concept of limitlessness. (laughs) Limitless means what? Eternal. Eternal means what? Immortal. (laughs) You know, that's why there are all these uh, teachings. Uh, if you read vedanta paperback paperback vedanta the the self capital s <laughs> is immortal supreme eternal and at once uh, all knowledge and at once blessed with a capital b what did you understand nothing and this word is funny because, you know, limitless is not part of our understanding because everything that one, we are living in the projected world of duality and everything that you see, you know, is finite, like we saw in the, uh, what is that, Rihadaranyaka uh, Vartika, you know, Krayanta Sarve, Krayanta Sarve, whatever, uh, everything that is here in the universe lasts until it rots, (laughs) until it drops, until it dies, until it is no more. So everything is until it evaporates. (laughs) So that's all we know. And, you know, the, the, the concept of eternity must be learned from a teenager. If you are five minutes late, picking the teenager up from school, the teenager says, Dad, Mom, where were you? I've been waiting for an eternity. (laughs) Why? Because they have very small attention spans, you know, and very little patience. So we don't really know the concept of eternity. We don't know the concept of limitlessness. There's no understanding at all. Forget infinity. Forget infinity is a mathematical possibility. That's all. We don't, we certainly don't know how to look at it in our own lives. And yet, it is a word that is very beguiling. <laughs> that I really want as part of, you know, as part and parcel of my understanding. And that which I want to be, which I'm yearning for. How can you yearn for something that you don't know? Very interesting because you can only long for something that you know. Suppose you long for ice cream with a, what is that? Mango sauce on top, let us say. Vanilla ice cream with fresh mango sauce. And supposing you've never had it but you still have a longing for it. Well, because you've had mangoes separately, you've had vanilla ice cream separately, and you can easily put it together in your head and know that it will, it will, you know, it will taste good if you like both of those things. It will taste good, you know that. So even, so you can't really long for something. You don't know. So what is this Anantyam? What is this Ananta that you seem to want, but you don't know? You don't know what it is? What is is Ananta? You shred the shoulders. The shoulders become earrings and then they go down. Because you don't know what it is. What is this Ananta? But you know, but still you want it. As soon as you know, any teacher anywhere or any book promises that you know, this is, you, you will get something everlasting. Do-it-yourself everlastingness. you will get this if the book you know doubts that, you will immediately want to go and get it. And if any person who is supposedly, supposedly deals with these kinds of spiritual matters is going to talk to you about it, you will show up at the class even though you don't know that person and you have no idea who it is and the person is not available for google <laughs> you know and maybe has come from some village in india on a on a um, foreign tour and you don't know that person They're still you will show up why because they are talking about ananta <laughs> that is the lure of ananta so the question is how you can't want something you don't know no but i don't know i am ananta yes you do on one level you do but it is it is something that you know you know but you don't know it is it is that kind of a ignorance you long for it because on some level that awareness that the awareness is limitless is understood one has touched it one has seen it why how In sleep, in sleep you are ananta, really there is no, the the whole resolution of the mind takes place, there is no duality in sleep. Ananta means a place, I can't even, there's no words to explain. Ananta means where there is no duality and of course when I say where, you look for a location. (laughs) Everywhere there is no duality. But then when I look around there is duality, yes. That's why one is in a hurry to go to sleep. When... In Vedanta class. Best sleep comes in Vedanta class. I'm sure online also. <laughs> yeah. Even more it will come. But because at least when you are sitting in front of the teacher, you are worried about what will the teacher think if the teacher is looking at you. And and what will the other students think? Suddenly if I just, you know, drift off. But in, uh, in uh, this thing... In the online, there is no such oversight. <laughs> so sleep beckons, why? When sleep, whenever sleep beckons, it is actually, you know, non-duality beckoning, you know, a non-duality which is understood, you know, post-sleep. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's not understood as you are sleeping because then then it will not be, you know, because non-duality is not an object of experience. It's understood only later. Ha. Oh I slept so well. I didn't know anything. I don't know anything. Ha I didn't know it all when I went to sleep. I didn't know when I woke up I'm here I am. I didn't know anything. Oh you missed the big explosion. Yeah, I was fast asleep. Oh, you missed people coming. Yes, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear anybody. So this is, you know, experienced every day. I mean, every night and during Vedanta class, a whole solid hour you can sleep, (laughs) you know. And uh, so what does that mean? That itself shows. And then also the reluctance in waking up is again a reluctance to come out of that quote-unquote experiential non-duality, that experience of the mind resolving. So there is no object, subject, the object, subject resolving into a kind of a kernel, uh, you know, of awareness called the aham. And that's why it's able to recollect that I slept well and I didn't know anything. Later on, it's not able to, what should I say, you know, live stream the sleep and show this non-duality to everybody and and, it's, and be aware of it itself. It's not able to live broadcast this sleep for itself, the experience. But it knows that later. And then even in the moment where one, is, one forgets everything and one is very, very, you know, just happy for no reason. You see a little child and, you know, and it is, uh, what is that? and uh, it is uh, smiling and immediately you are happy nothing has changed the credit card debt is as it is and uh, you know and then you know so many things are wrong there is no the the health is not great the lack of understanding with a significant other continues you know the children are not talking to you, all that continues, but still you are able to be joyful. Yeah, That joy is what is Anantyam, what is here called Ananta, that is that Ananta. It is an unbridled joy which is not dependent upon the lousy circumstances of your life. <laughs> and despite the difficulties in your life, that you are able to smile, that you are able to enjoy is itself, you know, Ananta. Despite of all the limitations, despite of that, shows that, you know, that this human mind the, the, is wired to gain this Anantya. So limitlessness is not gained by applying some you know what should i say by applying some um, botox you don't apply i suppose you inject it into the into the into the face and by applying some creams and then by you know exercising like a fiend because one is afraid that one is going to drop dead and so one joins the gym because the muscles have become noodles and there is no muscle, there is no and then you look at the TV and they say you have to do weight bearing exercises so you join the gym and then you just exercise relentlessly for the sake of what? Anandthiam. Again, a mistaken notion, sadhya sadhana asambandha tasmat, so because there is no connection between the what I want and, and the means. You know, I explained this earlier. I want to go to the airport, but I keep ending up downtown. How? This is how. Making the wrong choices, trying to make the finite, make the finite into infinite. How is that possible? Not possible. The finite will be ever finite. And as the Bhagavad Gita puts it in chapter 2, Jatasya So what's the point in trying to make the finite infinite? What will it give you other than a big complex and a big headache? That's what it will give. So anything that is subject to birth is finite because it is subject to death. Bhagavad Gita says. Anything that is subject to death is subject to being born again. And you look at everything in the universe. A flower, tree, bush. You know, flower is a bud. And then it's a flower. And then it uh, withers. And the leaves fall to the ground. If if it's not picked up in between, the leaves fall to the ground. And then what? Become compost for the next flower, the next bush. And so now we, you know, but now we have to see this. Anantyam through this finite That is the that is Vedanta. But even in this finite experience of this flower lasting for two and a half days, first it's a bud, then the next day it blooms a little bit, and the third day it is, you know, it is in its prime, the fourth day it's even bigger, A fifth day it starts to wilt, the sixth day all the flowers just go, so its life, its, its peak uh, time is two days, two and a half days maximum. And you say, oh, the flower is gone, flower is born, Bud is born, flower is born, bloomed flower is, you know, is there and then the withered flower is there and then the compost is there and then another flower bush is there. And what is the, you know, what is common in all this, you know? Many names are changing. First there is bud and then there is a slightly bloomed flower and then there is, you know, uh, full-fledged, fully bloomed, fully blossomed flower, and then you know another uh, another transformation, withered flower, and then composted flower, and then what? Another flower bush. What is common? What do all of them in this in this example have in common? They have in common a simple word called. Huh? What, what did you say? Uh, no, simple word co- word called is. Ah, in and through all the change, what upholds the changes is the changeless Anantya, because without which the changes cannot unfold, and without which the changes cannot observe. So even when you observe the changes in your body, it's the changeless one, it's that changeless eye that is observing the changes. Oh no, the teeth are falling out. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> you know the muscles are becoming. What? You know, water. Uh, Oh no, I need to exercise. Oh no, I need to go to the gym. Oh no, you know, the the belly is becoming like a pot, pot belly. I should lay off the uh, fat and the sweets. So the one who is observing all the changes, how can you observe changes if you are also changing? You are Ananta, and that's why there is the longing for Ananta, and that's why Bhagavan here, from this point point of Swarupa Lakshana, is unfolded as Ananta. That's what the whole thing is. So the the, whole, the what is in common? Let's go back to the example. So the bud is born. The bud is slightly opened. The bud is even more opened. Now the bud is fully blossomed, now the bud is, you know, in its glory, now it cannot be called a bud, now the flower is in its glory, now the flower is slightly, little bit, you know, it's on its way out, now the flower is, you know, is, is going to, you know, wither, now the flower withers, now the flower is now known, you cannot, you know, say withered flower, so you can give it another name, now the composted flower, you know, is. And then what? Then another flower tree or another flower is. So what do, what, what do all these things have in common? Just the simple word is. That's all. But is, you know, then opened bud is, and then flower is, blossom flower is, withered flower is, and then what? Then compost is, and then what else? You know, compost is, and then another flower is, because that compost has nourished or fed another flower. And that is, is the is that never becomes was. Anantyam ananta. How beautiful this is. Yeah. What is ananta? In one sentence, it is the is that never becomes was was, absence of flower is, yeah, when you say, no, there is no more flower, what are you talking, there is flower, and you are constrained to say, there is no more flower, no more flower is, absence of flower is, that is never goes away, so therefore, all this bud and opened bud and you know, flower, blossomed flower and withered flower and composted flower, all these are various trajectories, this, this is a trajectory in the lifeline or the life story of in the, in the biography of what we call flower. But it has nothing to do with the isness, if we can use that word. It has nothing to do with, the, you know, this anantyam. It has It has everything to do with a certain name, a certain form. Bald flower undergoing certain transformations modifications in on the canvas of time, but the is is not subject to time <laughs> the is because why why is the is not subject to time because we can easily say time is five minutes have elapsed. How do you know you know you didn't even look at the clock, but you can accurately think. I'm going to turn off the stove in five minutes, or I'm going to go somewhere in five minutes. And exactly five minutes later you are up, you are gone. How? Because the time is the object of your witness, your awareness, your witnessing. So time is, space is. So within this time there is a biography of something called flower. And then it it, it has its two days in the sun, and then it you know it withers. Without flower is, composted flower is, and then what, you know, no more flower is, this is fantastic, no more flower is, so really speaking, the is that is associated with the flower doesn't change, the name and the form called the flower, unto that only is the biography. There is no biography of isness. <laughs> Why? There is only autobiography of isness because that is, you make that uh, S at the end of is silent, you strike through the S, and what do you get? I. The is resolves into I. That's all it is. Or the is. When we talk about the whole universe and the, all the all the things that is 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 you know what is you know flower is tree is um you know reptile is cockroach is dog is cat is you know mountain is river is human body is you know this this person is that person is 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 when you talk about is you know the the whole world is you know, is inhabited by is, 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 and that is here's everything. When you talk about it from that standpoint, that is expands to the word Ishwara. Ah. What are the first two letters of Ishwara? I-S, is. Ah. That is, is Anantya. Because that is never becomes walls And if you look at it from this standpoint, from the standpoint of the, the one who is observing everything, that it, the is resolves into I, and that I is equal to what Ishvara. This is how the Mahavakya operates. This is how it is. And so that Anantyam, you know, you don't have a concept, but you don't have an understanding of it. But there is a there is a longing for it, even though there is not a complete understanding. And because it is not known fully, and it is not known as it is. One tries to make oneself infinite through various machinations of body building, of what else, you know, of uh, having wealth. Because if I have infinite wealth and if it all belongs to me, it will be what? I will become infinite. And Maitrey we saw in the weekend classes, rejects that. She says, what am I going to do with this, you know, lots of wealth? Is it going to give me immortality? Is it going to give me anantyam? No, then I don't want it. You keep the wealth. (laughs) If it's going to, you know, if it's just one more finite thing in the universe, I don't want it. And this is a kind of a, you know, this is a, a side note for all Vedanta seekers who start worrying that there is no time to pursue Vedanta because it is one more pursuit in time. It is not, it is not, it's not one more thing to pursue. You know, I have I've hungered after this, I have hungered after that, and what came out, nothing. And then now I'm hunkering hung- after moksha and hungering after moksha. And then if I have moksha, what will happen? That if I won't get moksha. Because did I get what I wanted? No. Did I get that promotion? No. Did I get this opportunity? No. My whole life has been an unfolding story of missed opportunities, missed deadlines, missed timelines, and you know, the whole thing is a big, you know, is a big fiasco, which is my life. And now you're asking me to study Vedanta, Shmedanta, and this Vedanta is also, what is it going to accomplish? You know, Manushya Naam Sahasreshu Kastit Yatati siddhaye Thousands of people. And then one person gets, you know, uh, gets close to this knowledge. And out of the thousands of people getting close to this knowledge, one person understands this. Why are you dragging me into this? Leave me alone. I have, I have lots of things. I'm very busy. Why are you busy? Because it's good to keep myself busy. One has to keep busy because otherwise all kinds of thoughts come. And then you can't sit still even for a second. So therefore what? Therefore, I don't have time for your Vedanta. <laughs> I'm busy doing other things. But they're tiring you out. Okay, it doesn't matter. What am I going to get if I listen to you? <laughs> you know, other than more disappointment. <laughs> so this, you know, so ananthyam and disappointment are like oil and water. They don't mix. Disappointment has to do with the past has to do with an unresolved past, which is being projected on that which is, <laughs> which makes repast of the past, ah, repast means it makes short shrift of it, anantyam ah. makes repast of the past, yasya brahma chakshatram uh, cha ubhe bhavataha bhavata Odanaha mridyuhu yasya upasejanam beautiful, you know, summing up of this with with the help of the Kathopanishad. Kathopanishad says, for the one, you know, for this jnani, for the one who understands anantyam as the truth of oneself, without trying to make the body-mind into Ananta trying to take Ginkgo all the time. I mean, please take Ginkgo, I'm not stopping you. But thinking that if, if I develop the mind, I will become immortal or eternal or limitless. That is what is being questioned here. So for the uh, the jnani who understands anantyam, yasya brahma chakshatramcha. cha, so for that person, the, the two main, uh, you know, What do we call them? The two main, you know, the the, the people occupying the cream of the society. like Let's say all the rich people, all the people in power. Kshatra means Kshatriyas, the people in power. And Brahmanas here, Brahma means not Brahman, but Brahmanas. Brahmanas means all the knowledgeable and intelligent people. They may not have a lot of money, but they are revered for intelligence. So this is the cream of the cream of the crop in in any kind of a society. All societies are hierarchical. So for, you know, other people keep, keep bowing down and wanting something from the Kshatra and then going to the king and with a begging bowl and saying, give me this, give me that. And feeling jealous of the Brahmana, feeling jealous of the Kshatriya because they are so wonderful and I have a complex, you know, but for the Jnani, you know, the Jnani says, you know, other people say, aha, there goes Kshatriya, wonderful, aha, there goes Brahmana. And Jnani says, doesn't say aha, says Swaha, <laughs> yeah. Brahmana is rice, and then bath you know, and then Kshatriya is what, you know, dal. So this is like eating dal path. yes. <laughs> So he just mixes the two and eats. He she it, it doesn't mean literally. Meaning it's as good as something that is ingested. You know, it is not something to it is not something to pine for. And for such a person, what is death? What is you know death? Death is upasajana, a little condiment. You know, upasechanam means a little pickle that is on the side, you know, along with dal bhat, you touch it and you just touch it to the lips, you know. Ah, very nice taste. Lemon pickle, mango pickle, some pickle it is. So death is something which, you know, you just take in as a as a flavoring. <laughs> you know, kaittha veda what to talk of this person for whom, you know, death is a little, you know, taste a little condiment and what to talk of you know the whole universe is is food (laughs) meaning it is just something to be something to be consumed and you, you, you eat up the mortality because there is nothing there because the one who knows the truth of oneself there is really nothing to pine for nothing that is away from oneself one makes short shrift of you know Uh, a short shrift of, uh, of even death. One is able to stare at death fearlessly in the face because the one who knows I am deathless. And how do you know one is, how does one know that one is deathless? You know, one knows one is deathless because one has, you know, one has transcended mortality through knowledge how to transcend mortality through knowledge keep looking at isness make that you know uh, you know make that a meditation meditate upon is 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 and you can do that easily you know you just look around go out for a walk tree is and that tree is going to become old in the fall and then uh, you know that sorry the leaves are going to become old in the fall they are going to fall Falling, yellow leaf is, falling leaf is, compost is, you know, is, 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 and the is that never becomes was, is I. How is that is I? That is, is I, because I am that changeless being that is observing all the changes, that itself is enough. No, but I don't like going for a walk. Okay, just look at the things in your house, is, 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 that's enough no but i don't want to walk around the house just sit in one room look at all the things in the room enough enough this is endless meditation and this is this this meditation helps to you know what is that see bhagavan in everything and helps to calm the mind it it gives what is that uh, you know chitta chanchalyam the the restlessness of the mind you know gets gets a nice uh, uh, what is that Joolanam, Joolanam means it it gets shaved off. So therefore, uh, you know this is this is this is how to understand the concept of uh, you know uh, and contemplate upon Ananta Anantya. You know so Ananta means that which never becomes washed. And, and the teaching methodology here is unique because if I were to use a word that is, is you know, is already vitiated by one's understanding, how to explain? Because the word uh, infinite is already vitiated by finite concepts that have been overlaid on it. But yet I can't use a word that you are not familiar with. You know? I, I can't use the word that you are not familiar with in some other language or something because nobody will understand even the speakers of that language may not understand and so therefore what in Vedanta we use the same word that is tainted with time and space, time, temporal and spatial limitations in the the concept of the person knowing this word like even eternity and immortality and uh, limitlessness. One's concept of limitlessness is, is tainted, vitiated, by finite understandings, because we don't know the infinite as the truth of ourselves. We don't know that, we don't know this is the infinite. So therefore what? So therefore I have to use uh, the same word and remove those finite, you know, uh, the finite understandings. That is what is it, so it is not just, you know, giving the word, this is how shabda Pramana, the word as a means of knowledge, operates. So this is not just, you know, removing the, the notions, the wrong notions associated with the word Ananta. But when, when it is cleared, you know, the using the word Ananta in a manner that is understood as the truth of oneself. And that is called Ramana. That is what it is. So it's the same word that one is using every day. That is what is called Lakshana. Lakshana in, as in Swarupa Lakshana. It's your own Swarupa. Swarupa, I mean, we translate as nature, but it's a very sad uh, translation. Swarupa means your very being, the truth of you. And then what? What is that? Your own Swarupa is revealed through words which act which act as indicators. Yeah, that's the whole idea. It's not a literal anantyam in the sense that the body is going to be here forever. No, it's an anantiyam that's understood as the truth of the self, as an indication. It indicates what is already there. And that anantyam is as the truth of the self, is already there. And the ahankara listening to this, you know, says, "Oh, okay, I better just keep quiet because I have nothing more to say. I have nothing more to do this, and this is how you know." And then it it steps aside; it is suspended, or it even sometimes helps this understanding because it the ahankara is tamed to step aside as a as an independent, self-standing jiva that it has mistaken itself to be, and the ahankara bows down to the teaching and then is able to listen it helps the assimilation of the understanding and even if it doesn't help it steps aside and allows the understanding to take place at least a little bit before it 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 also joins and so the uh, the ananta is just very very this this beautiful so this this bhagavan that was asked for by the vada khilyas this atma is ananta and then what Akshayaha. so again it follows that which is ananta is akshaya rahitaha. akshaya rahitaha and then you know that means it is free of what is Akshayaha? that which is ananta is akshaya and akshaya means that which is free of six forms of modification and what are they jayate Everything is subject to these six modifications. Jayate is born. Asti survives birth. You know, Vardhate grows up. Viparinamate blossoms. And then what? Kshi apakshiyate. That Kshiyate is the same as Akshaya here. Declines. And then Tata bye bye Vinashyati. These are the six things. Vinashyati means destroys. So these are the six modifications. The Atma Bhagavan is free from. That is a very important point in the in the definition here. Stiraha means, uh, you know, um, stiraha and shashpataha. They are both related. So we'll take them uh, uh, together. And here I want to refer to the bhashya here. Ah, machakya Okay, stiraha. Stiraha means. Free from uh, growth, Ah. you know, unlike a small child belonging to your friend, you meet one time and you say, oh, how are you doing? Uh, That's wonderful. Next time you meet, first time you meet, it was this much, next time this much, next time this much. Yeah, and that is asthira, here means, you know, vriddhi rahitaha, doesn't grow. Bhagavan doesn't grow? No. <laughs> An- Ananta cannot grow? No. Bhagavan also cannot grow. The eye cannot grow. Why? Because it's not subject to decline. Anything that grows is subject to decline. It is already limitless. Can it not become more limitless? No, it cannot. <laughs> Limitless means you cannot improve upon it, you cannot take away from it, you cannot add to it, you cannot modify it, you cannot bring it back in time because it's not in time, time is in it. So the time is a potential manifestation of the infinite, so to speak. So really speaking, it's outside of time and outside of space, So you cannot say where is the infinite located and how long will it last and can can we pad it and make it more? No. Infinity plus one, infinity, infinity minus hundred, infinity. So therefore what? You know, uh, uh, you know, sthiraha is not subject to growth, is not subject to what? Decline. And then shashvataha, the, um, the, the Swami here, who is writing the bhashya, explains, uh, sarvada, sarvada ekaropaha viparinamashunya That, so... Sthiraha means that which is not subject to growth and shashvataha means what? It is uh, it is not subject to um, any kind of transformation, yeah, so Shashwataha unchanging, you know, free of all transformations and why is it free of all transformations? Ajaha, it is unborn, only that which is subject to birth. Is, is full of all kinds of, you know, transformations. And therefore it is ajaha, unborn. Unborn but alive. Unborn but sentient. Unborn but not subject to death. Unborn but not subject to growth. Unborn but not subject to transformations. Unborn but very much existing. Sentient. All knowledge. And then what? swatantraha, swatantraha janma, uh, janma anantara bhavya astitva vikara rahit, rahitaha. Swatantraha means, so you know that which is free of all kinds of changes that take place as uh, as soon as the as soon as birth happens. So when birth happens, there is definitely transformation. So the swatantraha means free of time and free of space. And free of, you know, that means what? Free of the existence, which is not subject to time. Sat artha. What is sat? You know, in the chandogya sat has a de- definition. Sadeva somya asit, dvitiyam. Before all these names and forms came up, Oh you know, who says, Uddalaka, the father turned teacher says, before all this, this whole jagat came into being, there was only one thing which is existence, sat. There was only one thing, what is that? Let's call it sat. The only thing that existed was just one and non dually one dvitiam and then what how do I know this Sat even did that Sat So let's should we now say that before everything Sat was and now Sat is not? No, now also Sat is. Well how do I know it? Observe Shvetaketu. Uddalaka says observe this lump of clay in my hand. Just like, if you know this lump of clay that is sitting in my hand, you can appreciate pot, you can appreciate lid as just nothing but clay, you can appreciate a Krishna figurine made of clay, you can appreciate a jug made of clay. So the whole world of earthenware is known once you know this clay. Then you can say, oh, this is also clay, this is also clay, this is also nothing but a modification of clay, this is also clay. This is just a name and form called pot, but really speaking, it is what? Clay. So the, the clay gyani goes to a, you know, pottery and sees only clay everywhere. And then he takes another example, shows ornament, and he says what? This is nothing but gold, it's manifest as the ornament, million ornaments, one gold. It's all just gold, 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 all the way, everywhere you see is gold. So the jeweler who is a gold gyani sees only gold. So you bring him your chain because you want another fashion. And then you are slightly sentimental about the change. Chain, and then he will immediately pluck out all the, you know, whatever, precious stones. He's, because what, non-gold, 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 I'm only interested in gold. And he weighs it, and then he minuses a few more grams further. Why? Because he knows that without some silver and copper, you cannot make the gold stiff enough to stand the certain kind of a thing. That's why it's always twenty-two carat, eighteen carat, fourteen carat. Twenty-four carat is not malleable to make a make some kind of a namarupa. Yeah. So you have to mix the gold with a little alloy, copper and silver, then it becomes stiff enough to handle and beat into a lovely, you know, um, formation. So therefore he is such a gold jnani, the jeweler, he will minus. In India, you take it to anybody, he will minus the copper and gold amsha apart, and then give you what he thinks is, is the price of the gold. He sees only gold. The potter sees only clay and similarly the jnani sees only sat, this sat is like the clay, just like you understand sat, you know everything that is there, but what is this sat, that sat, that sat is jagat karanam brahma, that sat is the cause of the whole creation, just like the clay is the cause of the creation of the clay world, unto clay everything resolves, out of clay everything comes. By clay, by the whole world of earthenware, you know, is sustained similarly by this sat, the whole world comes by this sat, the whole world, you know, is, exists and, uh, and unto this sat, everything resolves. Yeah, but what is this sat? That sat, that sat is you. But how can I be jagatkarana, Brahma? How is that even possible? Because when you see that, you know, when you do, when you discount and remove everything that is variable from the from the standpoint of this body, mind, sense complex, body variable, bye bye, you know, remove cognitively, okay? Yeah. So don't jump out of the body. Body variable, you know, mind variable, senses variable, you know, ahankara variable. Chitta, emotions variable, buddhi variable. But who is the one that's invariable? The one that's observing all these changes. That sat is anantam. That anantam is sat. And that sat anantam is all jnanam. Satyam jnanam anantam. It's no different. It's all one. You cannot say this is the sat portion. I will only have sat portion, not chit portion. No. It's all the same. That is why the word Ananta is translated into Satchidananda when talking about the same thing from the standpoint of the individual. How did Ananta quietly become Ananda? Because when I want happiness, what I want is for it to last forever. And that forever is Ananta. But it has been changed into Ananda in keeping with the human pursuit. Because the human being doesn't understand ananta to pursue it. So therefore is pursuing what? Ananda. It's the one and the same. So this sat is you Uddalaka tells. And so that's the, that's the whole idea here. Is that swatantraha means it is sat upon which everything is dependent. And it itself does not depend on anything else. It does not depend on anything else. It is, de- it is, you know, uh, independent of everything else. And it does not depend on anything else, whereas everything depends on it. So it is sat, everything else is, uh, that depends on it. We have a special word called mithya. You cannot dismiss it as non-existent because it's all, after all manifestations of sat. But then it is also not completely existent because the name and form keeps dropping away. So, swatantra, so, so it is complete. But where is it? Yes, this is sounding better and better and it is wonderful. But kithar hai, kaha hai, where is it? Sve mahimni <laughs> You know, sve mahimni tishthati ityarthaha. Sve mahimni means what? You know, mahima means glory in its own glory is its abode you know you know the the yoga sutras of Patanjali swasvarupe avasthanam you know and uh, so that is what is uh, one of the yoga sutras is like that you know swasvarupe avasthanam means you know abiding in oneself so it abides in its own glory, means what? It is just itself, it is abiding in itself. I've told you this so many times, you know, this small child asked me, we all meditate upon Shiva and then what? But what is this Shiva meditating upon because he's always in meditation? <laughs> I like that question very much and i told the child shiva is meditating upon himself he is contempl- he is in contemplation of his own glory mahimni tishtati then you know swaswarupe avasthiti na asya it does not lean on anything else you know does not lean on anything else and the and the uh, and Swami Rama, the, the commentator here, quotes another Shruti, which is worth looking at, sa bhagavah kasmin pratishthitaha iti, sve mahimni iti yadiva, uh, uh, na mahimni, <laughs> chandogya Shruti, you know, and uh, I think the seventh chapter, iti, and uh, uh, so, uh, the, the, the 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 chandogya also says, it is in its own glory or you can say not in its glory because the glory also comes and goes so it is it it is abiding in itself and then further he says anyah hi anyasmin pratishtito bhavati na asya anyah asti you know ayam pratishtitaha syat tasmat okay that's going on, on for the next line but here anyasmin bhavati prishtam you know prakrishtam this, this topic is seen in the world what do we see each thing depending on the other thing yeah, so the, the the pot leans on clay, clay leans on molecules, clay is dependent upon molecules and same thing if you take a ghatta, sorry that is ghatta, patta, if you take a piece of cloth, the cloth is dependent upon yarn, yarn is dependent upon fibers, fibers are dependent upon what, cotton, cotton is dependent on cotton tree, cotton bush, cotton bush is dependent on cotton seed you know, nice big black seeds you see in the cotton and then the seed is dependent on another tree, another seed, either you go into infinite regress or such a kind of a tracing, the the whole thing leads you to Brahman, you know. Where is this? Where is that? Where is the origin of this? Where is the origin of that? You have to say everything came from. Brahman from Bhagavan. So either it takes you in a nice little, you know, going round and round loop Infinite loop or it takes you to Bhagavad, depending on whether there is Shraddha or not. If there is Shraddha, the person, you know, says, okay, it must have come from Bhagavad. If there is no Shraddha, you get stuck. Which came first? Tree seed, tree seed, tree seed, tree seed, tree seed. You will be going on and on and on. You know, this is what is called Samsara Chakra. So sve mahimni tishtati means that which is not dependent on anything else and we can't even conceptualize that, you know, and especially if, if the knowledge is given, that which doesn't depend on anything else, depend on anything else is you, one gets even more agitated, no, 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 I want support, I want to lean on somebody, I want to, you know, do this. I want I want. I want my. You know. I want to have a group of people who will listen to me. All these things. You know. That is the ahankara. But the truth of yourself is free of needing to lean. You know. Yes. So that is the. That is the whole idea. More we will see tomorrow. om um, pur Om Shanti 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 Harihi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om